Because we had our fundraiser, we were going to use that as a podcast, but it just turned out to be like four hours of like drunken debauchery. <laughs> and if y'all want to like sift through all of that audio to find some like podcast nuggets in there, just DM me and I'll send you the audio file and you can do it. But we <laughs> didn't want the to, entire so. four hour audio. <laughs> so, but uh, in the meantime, this is episode sixty three of a pot of their own. I am Allison McCaig. I am joined this week by my lovely co-hosts, Linda Surovich. Hi, Linda. Hey, Allison. And Kellyanne Healy. Hi, Kellyanne. Hello, Allison. Hello, Linda. Hello. So yeah, we'll get to more on this later regarding the uh, the event, but I just want to thank everyone that joined us over the weekend um, for our Dollars for Dingers prize drawing and fundraiser like culminating event, Zoom hangout, game watching party, whatever you want to call it. it. I had a really good time. It was fantastic. Love bantering, drinking, and watching bad Mets baseball with you all. It brings me great joy, so thank you. Um, to everybody and the prizes have all the prize winners have all been selected notified and prizes have been shipped so that's very exciting so dollars for dingers officially comes to a close we promise to do it even bigger and better next year hopefully when we're allowed to gather once more so thanks to everybody who participated we really appreciate that um it also softened the blow of watching yet another fucking mets game um because the (sighs) mets were the Mets went out with a whimper I guess we could say since the last time we podcasted so that's being generous yep yeah (laughs) until the penultimate day of the season they were technically alive um, and they would have made it if they had won I know because other teams kept losing the teams that they were chasing kept losing and so the Mets remained alive until the very end, but they couldn't even pull off one win they just got like freaking swept by the Nationals Like, the, all the teams are bad. None of them deserves to be in the playoffs. Like, there was a tweet I found about the Brewers that said they haven't spent a day over 500 all season. Um, they set records for offensive utility. Their final record was, like, 29, like, 31, and they're in the postseason. This this year postseason, Rob Manfred? This year postseason? Yep. It's really bad. Like, they're really and bad teams. And this is what he wants more of, too, apparently. Like, the fact that... and it's, I feel like it underscored it even more to me when we were watching the Mets be so terrible at the end when all they had to do was be, like, okay and they would have made the postseason. It kind of, like, underscored to me even more what a joke this, like, expanded playoffs is because the Mets were so bad. We all saw it, and yet they, they came within inches of making the playoffs. And the Phillies, too. Like, how were yeah. the Phillies in it? The with worst bullpen, bullpen in the major leagues, and they almost made the playoffs. Like, they were, like, historically bad. Like, record-setting levels of badness. Like, they made and those Mets bullpens look good. Yeah. Which is amazing. Uh, I mean, 16, 16 teams. That's ridiculous. That's over half the league, and they're all... Oh, don't get me started. It's just bad. It's all bad. It's all bad. Usually, like, like I was telling, I was telling Amazing Avenue Slack about this earlier. Like most years, like I will 
Like, I don't usually, unless the Mets are in it, of course, I don't usually, like, watch the postseason in earnest. Like, I don't usually, like, pay rapt attention to it. But I do like to put it on as, like, background noise while I'm, like, cooking dinner or, like, doing other things or, like, getting some work done. I'll, like, put it on in the background. Um, But this year I'm not even doing that because, I mean, I, I do feel an emptiness in my life without baseball and it sucks that it's over, but, like, the postseason doesn't even feel real to me this year. And also, no. like, I refuse to validate Rob Manfred's nonsense with my viewership. I just refuse to do it. Yeah, like, I just have no interest. Like, like you said, it's it's weird. There's, like, weird teams in it. And what's also, what's also bothering me is how everybody's praising the Marlins. The Marlins are not a good story. Can oh we just God. put that out there now? Yeah. They almost got the entire league shut down. Don Mattingly does not deserve manager of the year for letting his team play with COVID and putting a lot of people at risk, putting players' health at risk. But sure, let's all praise the Marlins for... Let's, pra- let's like frame it as a comeback kid story. Like, yeah. it's, it's bad that the entire team got COVID. It's bad. It's bad. This is not a good thing. This is really, really bad. Like, <sighs> and Mattingly should not be praised. He, he was the adult that should have stepped in and said, you know what? Hey, we have some guys sick. Maybe we shouldn't play today. Of course the players were going to want to play. I mean... We shouldn't praise him, but like to me, this is not surprising from him. No, no and it's, it's in the I, slightest. I was also tweeting about this with Nick Francona, and he said it's not all on him because the fact that he could make the decision was also a bad look for baseball. Which yes, yes. it's also Absolutely goes true. higher up than Manningly too. But the whole thing was just bad. Yeah, the whole yeah, it's just bad. Everything's bad. And, and taking the and taking COVID out of it, they just got essentially two extra weeks of rest or. Maybe even like spring training. Who knows what they were doing while they had that downtime? So, I don't know. It's just bad. It's all bad. Yes, everything's bad. Everything's bad. I mean, I'm watching. I am like watching the postseason certain games just because it's baseball, and I don't want to lose baseball just yet. Um, But I'm not really paying attention that much. But I have I have it all in the background. Like, I don't know about you guys. Like, it was, you know, SNY's been tweeting some, like, the 99 infield got together and they did a Zoom with Gelbs and, you know, seeing them and just seeing last year, like, I was tweeting about this one of our, with our, one of our Poto listeners. Like, I love that 99 team so much because there was a magic to them. Like, you knew they were coming back, like, and the same with 2015, 2019, mm-hmm. like, that Mets magic was palpable, it's a real thing you can, like, feel with your entire being, and I did not feel that once this year. I cannot yeah. think of a single moment where you thought, okay, we're gonna win this game. Like, how many times in Slack did they give up a run in the first inning, we said ball game? Yeah. Like, for me, the entire season just wasn't fun. I don't know. I feel like it, the walk-off you know, against the Yankees was the only fun thing that happened this year. Yes. <laughs> Basically. <laughs> no, it's our peak there. <laughs> I completely agree with you, Linda, but that's just because this whole season, there was no pitching. The bullpen yeah. was unreliable, and the starters either were injured or opted out. 
So you can't have any sort of an, a substantive game with no pitching. And I like resign myself to the fact that, hey, they might look into the playoffs, but they really don't deserve to be there because they have no pitching. So, yeah, and it's hard to get on a roll that way, too. Yeah. And for me, it was frustrating to watch because, like, I know that I know that having the designated hitter in the National League benefited the Mets a great deal this year because it gave Dominic Smith a chance and he deserved it. And he was one of the huge bright spots of this season. So I don't want to take that away from Dom or say that it was a bad thing. But I feel like the the lack of pitching that the Mets had and the way that they relied almost entirely on comebacks from their offense the times that they did win it really it didn't feel like National League Baseball it felt like American League Baseball and that's why I enjoyed it less honestly and I'm not like begrudging American League Baseball fans like some people love slugfests and that's just the like type of baseball they prefer and that's totally fine it's just a difference of opinion but I prefer well-pitched pitchers duels to slugfests and I feel like the Mets lost a lot of like 10 to 7 games this year and I don't find that terribly enjoyable to watch there yeah there was a high high amount of offense like wasn't weren't weren't the Mets like they had the highest batting average or something in the National League or something like that they were one of the best offensive teams in the in the league yeah it was very very lopsided because they had like a high on base percentage or high on batting average I'm not sure which I got to look it up but like a very low scoring comparison to how many people they got on base, which yeah, is because they didn't hit with runners on. They have black holes in the lineup too. Yeah. Ugh. And also how many times did they give up 19 runs this season? In a 60 game season, you gave up 19 runs in a game like three times. Yes. It's which is a really lot. That is a lot. Like it, one person can go like years without scoring nineteen runs, and they gave it up, gave it up three times, Oof. or at least, and then fifteen at least another couple times. Again, no pitching. No, yeah. and it, it's just, it wasn't it's a, fun to watch. No. Yeah, and I feel like that sort of like concept transitions well into the other thing that I kind of wanted to talk about is like a post mortem to end the season I wanted to talk about like the best and worst things about 2020 because there were a lot of there were there were a few good things there were a lot of bad things and talking about the lack of pitching I feel like the most glaring bad thing about this season was was Steven Matz to be perfectly honest Uh with you Steven Matz like just watching him and I'm not even like saying this to like dunk on him it was it was demoralizing to watch him go from a like you know like a mid-rotation starter and part of that group of Mets that you know defined the like era of decent Mets teams that was that 2015 was the peak of that but like that surrounded its its success on its starting pitching Steven Matz was a part of that and now he's a borderline non-tender candidate it's it's depressing he just doesn't he he's bad now I think he might just be done he's just done yeah I know I think it was I want to say it was Gelbs um it was earlier in the year, and he said, I have no words. He was like, I am honestly stunned, because he said Stephen Matz looked so good over either the summer or the spring break or whatever they were calling it. I don't even know which break it was. And he said, I really thought he was set up to have a big year. And he goes, and I, I have no words. I don't know where it went wrong. I have two thoughts on this. A, I think he 
like many other pitchers, was deeply affected by the fact that they started so late that the ramp up was not what it normally was. And my other speculation right now is that he's injured um, and not saying anything is injured and doesn't completely realize it. I don't know how, but, um, or is injured and is not saying anything because of the Mets philosophy of play through injury. And we have copious amounts of evidence of players playing through injuries before. So I think this is just an anomaly of a year. I Maybe that's optimistic of me, but that's what I'm hoping. Um, and I think the Mets should keep him. Oh, my. That might be an unpopular opinion right now. Yeah. <laughs> but... Um, I don't want to give up on Steven Matz just yet. It's so hard because like Allison said, he was, I mean, it wasn't that long ago, but like our most recent era of like golden age of Mets pitching, like it didn't last very long, but it was there. Um, so it is hard to let that go, but he, I, he set a record for most home runs given up in like, whatever the time frame was like he set a record for in like MLB history of home runs given up like I don't know if that can just be written off as a fluke that's that's really bad I mean it's it's really bad which makes me think there's an underlying something going on there like an injury he makes post because that, that what he made post TOS Matt Harvey look good like I know and yeah, he might be injured. I think that that's definitely reasonable to think that. And he did go on the IL at one point this season. Who knows how much of a like phantom IL get your shit together that was and how much of it was real. But um, and Steven Matz has been an often injured pitcher in his career. So it's always kind of a specter with him hanging over his head. Um and as a result, like Kellyanne said, it wouldn't surprise me if he, like, is unwilling to come forward about pain he's feeling because he wants I mean, to I, show the Mets that he, he can pitch still. But, and especially because he's been knocked for it in the past, too, by the media. Even, yeah. even if injury is the reason why he's struggling so mightily, it might be an unfixable problem. It, it might just be one too many injuries at this point is part of my feeling. And why, I don't know, like, I... I, it brings me no joy to say that I'm on team non-tender at this point, yeah. but I, I am, unfortunately. I think they and have also, I don't know but. how much of this, you know, is that a part of it, that he's scared of if he does feel pain or, you know, he wasn't throwing his slider because he was afraid that was going to hurt him. Like, is he's he on just, the record is it saying in his that head? that's been an issue. Yeah, summer. like, is it in his head and then... He also completely turned into John Neese, where one thing goes wrong and he just, he melts down. Like, his body language gets bad. He's screaming at himself. Like, I know we mentioned this one time. It's so funny him and Jake are so close because they're the complete opposites of each yeah. other. Like, Jake's so cool on the mound. Like, 
you know, one thing goes wrong. He's like, okay, I got this. How am I getting out of this? And Max is just out there fuming. Yeah. It got to the point where he literally hung his head after every pitch. Like, yeah, the shoulders slumped. Yeah. Not even just the ones he was giving up hard contact on. Like, even when he was like missing his spots, he would just like slump his shoulders over. It was so obvious that he just didn't know what was happening to him yeah. and it's really upsetting I, to see that it reminded me it actually reminds me of lo- a lot of post tos matt harvey just the the body language on the mound yeah. the way that you can tell that he has that he's a man out there with no answers at all um yeah, it's sad it's really upsetting um but you know i mean i hope i'm wrong i hope that he can come back from this who knows but it was a it was a big downside of this season, along with Porcello and Waka not doing their jobs at, at what they were signed for. Of course, we all saw that coming, but it doesn't make it any less annoying <laughs> that they didn't well, do also, their jobs. Like you said, if he's a non-tender candidate, you have one pitcher. Well, one fan. You have a perennial Cy Young contender at the you top of your rotation. That's yeah, it. and then you have Peterson, who, if he's your two, you're in serious issue. Like, I love yeah. Peterson. I think he's a good pitcher. He's fine. Peterson's a four or a five. <laughs> exactly, but he's not a two behind a Cy Young winner. It's right. just, it's not how no. this works. <laughs> he's too young. He's still inconsistent. I think he's good, but, oh, my God. We need all the starting pitching. And that's Marcus also Stroman, please. That's also still partly why I want to keep Mats because I I think there's a, a fixable injury. Again, this is me being optimistic. Um, I don't know. I don't want to let him go yet. Maybe it's just residual nostalgia and fondness. We'll, we'll see. Even if you say, let's say they sign like. Strowman and then like Taiwan Walker and Jake Rizzi. You still need depth behind them. Someone's getting hurt. That's not inspired. That group of names is not inspired. No, well, the free agents are bad. Yeah, the free agent market's not great. Outside of Strowman and he who must not be named, there's Ugh. literally like just a plethora of dudes who are just like, eh, he's fine, I guess. Yep, <laughs> yep, it really is. It also, and it also makes the fact that Brody traded away the farm, the entire farm. I don't even know if there was really, there really wasn't any pitching in it that like notable pitching that I can think of off the top of my head, but he's been okay. And Dunn really hasn't been that good. Dunn's been bad. Yeah. It's just, but it's just been the, there's no one in the farm coming. No. And Mm -hmm. well, since you brought it up, like I didn't, like I've been just fuming. Um, everybody's like, "Oh, sign JT Ray and Muto, and I'll be fine." Like for me, I don't see a path to contention next year because it's hard this to is, see it. It's this was the culmination of just years of the Wilpons half-assing it. And never like they tried to play both sides, like not spending, but still going for it. And this is what you get. You get missing the playoffs. You get like a complete disaster of a roster. You have no depth. You have no depth behind the no depth you already had because of a pandemic that you couldn't develop anybody in. So what do you do? 
Imagine if they had retained Zach Wheeler and we felt confident they could re-sign Strowman. Then we'd at least have four of Uh our five rotation slots filled at this time. But instead, we have two. Yeah. And then, like, then there's the Lugo problem, which... Right. Yeah, I think that got answered. Sorry, Allison. I mean, I, I... I'm still of two minds about this. I I was gonna, I'm glad I didn't. It would have been like hardcore old takes exposed because Lugo had a, for those of you who were like, who were like blessed enough to not watch the final Mets games, Lugo, Seth Lugo, who I have been vehemently like in favor of him being a starting pitcher, or at least this season when they had no other options, my point being. Like, I'm not saying that he should have been a starter instead of like Zach Wheeler. That's not the stuff I'm saying. What I'm saying is they had no other options this year and they should they he was better than Corey Oswalt um but he had another bad start at the end of the season and I was gonna write a piece for Mason Avenue that I like just didn't have time to write that was like Seth Lugo should be a starter in 2021 and I was gonna make the argument based on his like you know he relatively good performance this year he had like before the last start that he had he had one other bad one rest of them were okay too good um and then he had another really bad start and I was like oh good thing I didn't write that but (laughs) I think my my now official like take on this is I absolutely don't think he should be like guaranteed a rotation slot they should go out and sign other pitchers to push him to the bullpen again but I think he should be allowed to like compete for the slot with like like if Steven Matz is in competition with him for the slot and Steven Matz looks washed still then Lugo deserves it over him that's that's kind of my feeling about it but I understand why people are upset about Lugo being removed from the bullpen but you can also sign relievers and make that a non-problem yeah like that that's an option and make it so that Lugo is not so indispensable out of the bullpen as to pull him out will shatter the entire house of cards oh god it's such a mess it's such a mess the pitching is just it's bad bad. and they have no no starters no bullpen I, I don't, like, where do you begin? I, it is, I, it's so frustrating because I think, I think we've said this during several times this year because obviously, as we mentioned earlier in the podcast, they've had one of the best offenses in baseball this year. And much of that is that this is, and people were like, oh my God, Dominic Smith and Pete Alonso, whatever shall we do? Jeff McNeil, J.D. Davis, too many corner, whatever shall we do? And I was like, this is what actual position player depth looks like looks folks. like we're just not used to it it's like oh Ahmed Rosario sucks now it's like well we have Andres Jimenez so who cares like it, like <laughs> Rosario being awful has like like barely registered this season because Jimenez was so good yeah he was fine he had to as a replacement but I mean I depth yes and but for me that's also a position of strength which means perhaps you can move one for pitching since, like we said, this free agent class is a bunch of, eh, he's a dude. Garbaggio. Yeah. <laughs> Garbaggio. So, no so, offense to the dudes in this free agent class, but. Yeah. So do you pick one of Conforto, Nimmo, JD, JD, Dom, McNeil, and Pete, and Nimmo? Yeah. Those are your options. Pick one. Trade. Trade. Because I, I would lean more of an outfielder. I would leave Dom and Pete alone. Yeah. And, um, so because you have Jackie. 
I know that he would get the biggest return, but you, you gotta extend Conforto at this point. You yeah. have to. You have to. Like, because then you have Jackie Bradley Jr. and you have George Springer, who are free agents. And mm-hmm. that, to me, is a better is a better free agent class than the starting pitchers that are available. To, they have to get a real center fielder on the team. They have to. Yeah. We, we mentioned it before, but Nimmo, Nimmo's bad now. It's it's center, and like I don't think I don't think Conforto could cut it either no. at this point. They've got to get a real one. Um, they've Jeff been, McNeil is not a center fielder. No, they've been patching that hole for too long. I mean, you know, if you really want to try the Ahmed Rosario to center field experiment now would be the time if you're not going to trade him or like now that he's struggling and Andres Jimenez is good and breathing down his neck for the starting shortstop position now's the time to try the Ahmed Rosario to center field experiment if you're going to try it I would also be fine with even bringing back Marisnik as like a platoon he was fine yeah when he wasn't injured yeah (laughs) Yeah, they could do that. They could do platoon. Like, as a depth, like, if you sign Jackie Bradley Jr. and Jake Marisnik, all right, let's do this. Yeah, sure. I would think that would be a fine platoon in center field. And then, I don't know, I guess McNeil's your left fielder, Conforo's your right fielder, and it's a completely fine outfield. Yeah, I could get on board with that. But, yeah, they, they... like they got to fix the pitching, and if they have to trade to do it, then they have to trade to do it. But the pitching was the starting pitching was by far the biggest uh, black hole, like awfulness part of outside of catching. Yeah, catching was pretty bad. That was bad <laughs> I just, too. I just can't like take the stats of this season too seriously, just because of the circumstances surrounding it. So uh, there are going to be players that were going to be better than normal um, and have great years. And there were players that were great that are absolutely sucked this year. Christian Yelich is the big one that comes to mind immediately. I'm not worried about Pete Alonzo, you guys. I'm putting that on record. We we talked about this recently in Amazing Avenue Slack that Pete Alonzo's WRC plus is up to like one was up to like 120 by the end of the year. He's fine. Yeah, I'm not. I was not worried about him. Um, he's having a sophomore slump. Oh, bad. I mean, he he was unwatchable. Bad. He he well, like think he had the kind of the same thing going on as Michael Conforto. Michael Conforto had a great like rookie season in 2015 and then cratered in 2016, I think went down to the minors, came back up and now he's good. So I think Pete Alonzo is doing the same sophomore slump and silver lining. This is a shortened wacky season. So this is the best time to have that kind of silver, um, that kind of sophomore slump getting all my asses messed up. (laughs) I don't know if he was also affected by like the lack of fans like he's so excitable. And yeah, Pete's the guy that like loves playing baseball, and he gets yeah, all pumped. Like, like a little golden retriever with the ball. Like yeah, all right, yeah, he yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's go, let's go. The, yeah. The, um. Oh my God, he feeds off of the fans absolutely. So I think he definitely missed the energy and the passion of the fans in the stands yeah. this year. I mean, and, and they all did. I think that was apparent, but he in particular was affected a little more by it. Yeah. And, in my and, opinion. And we talked about Matt, but Pete's body language got really bad too. Yeah. Like true. he, he would he walk like, up to the plate and you would be like, he's already out. 
Yeah. Would, and he is slamming his bats off more often than normal. I know he has a, a tendency to do that anyway, but he was just like slamming his bats around after all his at He looked near tears multiple times yes. in the dugout. Yes. So. I mean, ugh. again, I'm taking it as a sophomore slump and that I'm glad it happened now in the wacky season when it was shortened and it didn't, it wasn't prolonged over 162 games. Cause that would have been brutal to watch. Oh God. Um, well, yeah, and I never- think he'll, I think if, if they're in person again and Chili Davis is back in person, because I think the hitters were also affected by the lack of hitting coach in person, because like during games, they can go and ask him stuff that, uh, he observed in their at bats and adjust, and they didn't have that this yeah, season. JD mentioned Chili Davis too, but really, if the offense is that contingent on one person, they have bigger issues. Yeah, I mean, there's 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 a million issues with pitching, with I think staff members, um, I mean coaches. So, uh, it's it's we'll see what happens next year. We'll yeah. see. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, I, I did want to mention some of the positives of this year. I mean, we, we already talked about some of them, but um, Jimenez and Peterson both breaking out is a huge one. Um, they're going to be big factors moving forward, so that's great. And we already talked about Conforto having and Dom both having monster years. I think that that's huge for both of them and di- for different reasons, like Dominic Smith proving that he is a legit everyday player, like absolutely positively and – it seems like the DH is here to stay, so it seems like he probably will keep getting his opportunities <laughs> alongside Pete Alonso. I know. We don't like that. We don't like it, but we do like Dominic Smith. So We do. Um, we do like Dominic Smith, but I'm going to miss the pitchers playing. I'm bad. I miss that. Like There were so many times when I wanted Jacob deGrom to come to the plate just to save just to score for himself. I, I wanted to see dumb reliever at bats because you know the Mets would have had a lot of those this year. Oh, absolutely. It, like, I want to see like Ch- Chase and Shreve hit a double. <laughs> it would have been great. But anyway, while well, we're on the subject of Dom, Tom, I love you, Dom. He like I I would give Dom a hug if I could. I would die for Dom if I could. But I never want to see him in left field ever again. Oh, please, God, no. No, it's bad. <laughs> well, I was going like, to say, how many players can we say that about? We could say that about Dom Smith. We can say that about Lucas Duda. I think we can say that about Daniel, <laughs> Daniel Murphy. Murphy. <laughs> so that we can say that about plenty of players. But, like, I'm, like, legit concerned about his health. Like, face planting in the wall. I know. It's all good, too. It's like, oh, honey, don't play left field. You'll hurt yourself. Stop it. Please don't hurt I was, we love you. I was still like a little concerned that he was not taken out of the game at that point. Yeah, yeah that was really just, stupid. The Mets because, had to do one last Metsing. Of course. A potential concussion issue, which thankfully he didn't have, but like but the like, other issue out. was that the limo got hurt. And yep. so he hurt his neck last with the, year. With the that was disc the whole in his thing. neck. The, the, the slow mo made me think that he had he had gotten like some whiplash. Which I was like, oh, well, hopefully, no. Now he has the whole offseason to recover, so hopefully yeah. he'll be okay. Yes. Same with Andres Jimenez, too, because he did it. He also injured himself, like, in the same game, so. And uh, Conforto um, was already on the IL. Yep, yep, so that's great. Um, but, yeah, I mean, 
other big positives. Obviously, Degrom continuing to be Degrom is awesome. Sadly, we Debay. don't think he's gonna he's gonna three peat, but he was still obviously dominant and awesome and just he should three peat. I'll yeah, say he it. Should. He should three peat. But he's probably not going to. But that's okay because he's still great. Um, and also he finished like it's been bothering me because I know it's hard like. We've talked about this in Slack, how it's hard to judge your career when you're still in it. Yes. Um, And, like, right now, he's basically Johan Santana. Like, their peaks are similar. Um, And we don't know, you know, we know what happened with Santana. But, you know, we don't know what's left for Jake. But I feel like the three would have guaranteed him the Hall of Fame. And not to say that he won't ever get the three, but it just... I don't know. You don't know what the future holds. So I'm just. He would have. It would have strengthened his argue the argument a lot to yeah. get three in a row. I like you, how could a voter turn that down? Like you can't argue against that. But I feel like since he finished the year first in strikeouts, that's at least something to like put in his column. It is, and he did it, and he did it against a very very potent offense in the NL and AL East. And I feel like that needs to be something that the writers kind of put in his favor. And a hundred strikeouts in 60 games in a 60 game season is pretty freaking amazing. (laughs) Yeah. Like, how do you even do that? And it's just like, I think the thing that like, I think the thing that I'll remember most about this 2020 DeGrom season is especially if he doesn't end up like three-peating and so it may get lost among all his amazing seasons is like the fact that he's a freak of nature and his average like fastball velocity just keeps going up and up and up as he gets older like this year his average fastball velocity was 99 miles an hour what the hell man everybody's impressed by that but that worries me a little bit because I think I think that he's going to that's going to make him blow his arm out and I don't want that to happen. He has elite stuff not going 99 100 100 102. He has elite stuff and he had better stuff these past 2 years without that really super fast fastball. It's it's it, it's, imp- it's impressive like for a speed thing but like long term I it, to me that's it concerns me from an injury standpoint. From how it was explained to me, though, like it's different than Thor throwing a hundred. Thor yeah, it's is an easy power. ninety-nine. Yeah, like his him, mechanics look good. <laughs> yes, that's what it is. He's honed his mechanics so much, and to like he's refined them to like near perfection. Where they said it's basically a whip. Like he uses his arm like a whip. And he's just like flinging the ball at you, and it's so effortless. So, and you for see him, that, and you see yeah. that in the graphs of his release point. Too. Yes, yes. So, yeah. Like I it's think so I'll tight. start to get concerned when those look different, when those don't yeah. look okay, because like they still look the same as they've always looked, which is that his he has pinpoint precision of his release point to the point yeah. where like it's it's almost gross. Like you look at yes. his, like you go on almost baseball savant. It's pretty gross. You go on Baseball Savant, you look at his the like graphics of his release point, and it's literally like all the dots are on top of each other because yes. he has the exact same release point every like time. How? And it's, it's amazing, ridiculous. like 
because like the the thing that immediately comes to my mind when I think about that is right in the early stages of like TOS Matt Harvey before we exactly knew what was wrong if you looked at those graphs it all of a sudden there was like a really massive change in his release point and it was all over the place all of a sudden and it's it like, was messy it was like this is there's something wrong there's something horribly wrong with him and Jacob deGrom on the other hand has this incredibly tight graph it's just interesting to look at if you ever have time like screw around on baseball savant because and especially look at Jacob deGrom's page because it's just like a thing of beauty to behold to look at these things and realize that he has literally perfected the art of pitching to the point where he's like a robot at this point he's like he really is and he even said it himself is um he took the time during the shutdown and just refined his mechanics like they were already like flawless or like like nearly without flaw and now they're flawless like like you said allison he's a machine he's a machine Um, and if he learns if he actually like seriously learns a knuckleball Oh my god! I love to be wild. So bad, knuckleball, so badly. Oh my god! Please, Jake, <laughs> please. I mean, in addition to probably extending his career by learning it, I just want to see him throw like a sixty-nine mile an hour knuckleball, followed by like a ninety-nine mile an hour fastball or a ninety-two mile an hour slider. I mean, that would just be. I think banana. his ERA would be zero. <laughs> so i guess we have one last mets item before we move on from our longer than anticipated mets segment um <laughs> well this is the post-mortem it's the post-mortem like, it had to be um, it's gonna be an extra long episode you guys yeah yeah because yeah, we have a lot of stuff to cover in baseball segment get ready folks strap it on in it's a long a pot of their own tonight it to be fair Gertrude. we haven't potted in a week <laughs> so um, so the last Mets news item um, is that since we last podcasted, um, the last time we podcasted, the the news of the Wilpon selling the team had just become official. And so, like, um, we are in a new era of ownership, and the Wilpon ownership officially came to a close when the Mets m- barely missed the playoffs in extremely uh, Wilpon fashion. <laughs> and um, to finish in last place, too, which was... Yep. I'm going to be technical to and say it's not official yet. <laughs> Well, um, they're out. Either way, they're out. They're out. Um, so whether Conan gets, Cohen gets approved or not, they're they're done. Yeah, they'll just sign to A Rod so. instead. Then, um, well, because if Cohen doesn't get approved, A Rod's coming in. So yep. it's one or the other. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so what? Uh, I, Cohen's official like first act as owner before he he's even like officially beca- become owner but he said that if he is approved by the other owners he will bring Sandy Alderson back to be like sort of head of baseball operations right is that it, official yeah it was the pre- he's uh, yeah. the president yeah the, he's the president. basically replacing Jeff Wilpon yep. which <laughs> which is awesome that's a great yes. improvement if it happens yeah. Like, baseball people in charge... Like, yeah, Cohen even said that. He was like, baseball people will be in charge of baseball decisions. Like, what? That's allowed? Since when? It's the biggest, like, karma, like, punch of all time for the guy who had to listen to Jeff Wilpon for all those years and, like, keep the lid on for (laughs) Jeff Wilpon and put up with so much of Jeff Wilpon's crap. 
to be like, oh, I'm going to take your job now. Now your job is my job. <laughs> and he's actually good at it. And he's going to be good at it, I think, yeah. Well, how would, I can't remember. There was some tweet listing all the talent he found that's currently on the team. It's like 90% of the team. Yep. Like, this is, to, this is like, without a doubt, Sandy's team right now. His fingerprints are already all over it. And he and, did that constrained. Yeah. And yeah. he did, I mean, there's talent here. And like you said, he did that without money. And so what's he going to be like with when he has support or is free to make his own decisions? That's the yeah. whole thing. I think yeah. he's going to be a lot freer. Yeah. To make like, his own moves. I and I'm excited if this ownership goes through. Ugh, that is one thing. One thing I am excited to see. Yeah, I am happy Sandy's back. Like, he, we've said it before. Like, there's been no adult in the room. And Sandy, you know, walks in and he can control the room. Like, yes. we've said it before, too, uh, earlier with Brody. The PR disasters increased significantly yes. after Sandy left. And, like, I just... It's nice knowing, like, a professional is in charge. Yes, yes. And, like, and we'll pull, and we'll we'll take the reins. Like yeah. he said, he said in five days in Flushing, he's like, it's not really a democracy in here. Yeah, <laughs> I love that he came out with that. It's like it's not. He's got. He's the decision maker. Uh huh. Yeah, and like I've been seeing a lot of uh, takes, mostly from the like state media and of other mm. like Wilpon propping up outlets. Which like you guys realize you don't have to do this anymore, right? Like. Y'all realize that the Wilpons are done and you don't have to, like, kiss their butts anymore? You know that, right? <laughs> like, it's over. You don't have to do that Get the anymore. memo. Yeah. Um, but a lot of them have had the take of, like, oh, like, Sandy Alderson, like, talking about his restraint and, like, oh, he, he'll be wise with the money. And it's, like, like, you know that, like, he was... That's what he was told to do. Exactly. Exactly. Like, he was only like this because of the Wilpons. Do you think that if he's handed an unlimited budget or, like, you know, I'm not saying he'll get an unlimited budget, but you know what I mean. Like, if the budget yeah. goes up considerably, you think he just, like, won't spend that money or, like, won't ever hand out a big contract? Like, I think that that's nonsense. <laughs> yeah, I think he'll have no problem writing a check to JT Rayomuto. Just a guess. Just a guess. Yeah. I mean, I think I think he'll spend more, but I don't think he'll go like bananas, like the Dodgers mm -hmm. or the Yankees. He will be, I, 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 he won't be um a miser or thrifty, but he won't just spend excessively either, like on thirteen-year contracts, <clears throat> like some people have, and then have the nerves. <laughs> She's <laughs> just speaking just on the off topic going um talking about Bryce Harper this <laughs> season like how did his season end up because I, I I I don't he was him. pretty good this year yeah, he was he good was? this year okay. he Overall. was good this year okay yeah okay um but wrapping back around to to Sandy um like you said I think he's gonna be smart about it and um I think he would probably prefer like the way they're set up now. He has to go the free agent route, and that means spending money because their miners are barren, and which is what he inherited from Omar, too, and he had to build it back up. So he's kind of like back in the same position he was when he first took the job. Yeah, like, more no minor leagues. Um, and he did, 
look what he built. This is this is what he built. He got them to a World Series. I know there was some uh, is that Sandy's team or Omar's team, but you know, development goes into that too. Those it's debates not were just, exhausting. Oh my but, god, I'm so over those debates. But here's the other thing. He's now coming into, he might be coming into the team now where the minor league landscape is going to be very different from when he came in last time. So it's going to be interesting to see how he handles that. Yeah. Well, now you know, so he, he was kind of pissed when Ahmed and Don first came up. He said they were unprepared for the majors. And he was totally right. Like, yes. why is it that Yankees, like, a guy gets hurt, the next guy, you call him up, boom, he's, like, hitting home runs. You know, we Everyone always talk the about this. call up is automatically good. Good. Yeah, the the Dodgers, the, the Cardinals, their devil magic. Like, well, their devil magic is good development. That's what it is. Like, I mean, he's, yeah. He's- Keith kept mentioning it in many of the different broadcasts was that these guys did not come up with good fundamentals. Mm -hmm. Um, And that was something that that we saw top to bottom in the minor leagues, that these guys didn't have necessarily good base running habits or base um, good uh, base reading habits. Um, just a number of things that are like basically heads up little plays like taking yeah. the extra base or you know like the little things that can win you the ball game that won't show up i know like that's a cliche but it is the little things we saw that when they played the rays the yes. rays did everything right and they you know they made the good plays in the field they took the extra base they were aggressive but like that's stupidly so and the Rays are in the playoffs right now. Like those little things add up over the course of a season. They do. Absolutely. <sighs> so I feel better because if Sandy's mentioned that in the past with Ahmed and Dom, I mean, look at how long it took Dom to finally feel comfortable. Yes. Yeah. And so, like, I get development is different for everybody. I get that. But this just seems like a system wide failure on their part i agree and i'm hope i'm hoping that he brings in a a supportive smart staff from top to bottom however the miners look next year yeah if he gets the job (laughs) (laughs) if i am not saying this is definite yet it's not going to be definite until the t's are crossed and the i's are dotted (laughs) And also, I don't know, did you read the Sandy book? Yes. Well, I, okay. I I take that back. Well, no, I did read the Sandy book, but I read the edition that does not have the 2015 amendment in it. Okay. Well, I loved that book. Yeah, it was so good. But the part that's like stuck out to me, um, it was 2014. And well, a couple things about that stuck out because first the author was sitting in spring training with Sandy. I think it was 2014. And the author kept saying, so Noah Syndergaard, Noah Syndergaard, Noah Syndergaard. And Sandy's like, no, watch Jacob DeGrom. Mm -hmm. And so it's like Sandy knew from the beginning. I was like, oh. (laughs) And another part, so that kind of stuck out to me. And the other part that stuck out to me was again in 2014 
Um, Hefner was trying to come back from Tommy John and he was rehabbing and then got hurt again. And so he was in the hospital and then Jake had to go to the hospital too because his arm started hurting. So Sandy said he was in the neighborhood. So he decided to check in on his two pitchers. And so, and they said, and the author said he found two pitchers whose careers were going in opposite directions. Hefner got diagnosed and needed a second Tommy John, and Jake was on his way to winning the Rookie of the Year. And so now the three of them are all here again. Like Sandy's back. Hefner's a pitching coach. Is Hefner going to stay the pitching coach? I'm curious to see that. I would, I would keep him. This wasn't at his fault. Any of us. No. I think he's done fine. Yeah, and it seemed like the pitchers didn't have an issue with like he seemed prepared. Like what during the shutdown, he seemed to, you know, connect with them still. Like he came up with pitching plans for them and um, you know, stuff to do like virtually while they were shut down. So it seemed like, you know, he tried to make the best he could work the best the best i know as a rookie pitching coach you're like faced with this so i don't know i I don't know if you can judge him this year i mean you you you, again i don't think you can judge it but i'm just curious to if he will he would do better if he got more experience coaching in the minors first and then coming back up to the majors because i don't think he had any coaching minor league or any kind of coaching experience before this, I could be wrong. I'm not a hundred percent sure. Um, but to kind of be thrown into the major leagues immediately was not the wrong decision, but he's inexperienced. And I would have liked to have seen him with more, more coaching experience at the, the lower levels under his belt. I guess well, mm-hmm. the season was trial by fire, so I think yeah, this is trial by fire. This is trial by fire for so many of them, and that was I think that was another issue was that this was such an anomalous season with a lot of rookie coaches from Hefner to Rojas um, to whoever kind of the in person hitting coach was since Chili Davis wasn't there. Um, yeah, and then they lost um, Bam Bam for a little while. Yeah. yeah. So, like, even, like, I guess he was, like, the veteran voice on the bench, and even he was gone for a while. Yeah. yeah. Again, it was just a screwball of a season. It was. <laughs> it was weird. Um, so, yeah, we'll see what happens um, under the new regime, how they decide to handle coaching and stuff like that. Um, and, obviously, who they pick to be the general manager will be interesting because I don't think Brody will be back. I think that that's almost a foregone conclusion at this point. Um, but, yeah, we'll see. Um, but in the meantime, got to cut this Mets segment off. It's running too long. Too much to talk about with the Mets. Um, Bye, Will Ponds. Bye, Will Ponds. Peace. Smell Bye, guys. I hope the door hits you on the way out. Don't let the door hit you where the good Lord split you. (laughs) Bye. (laughs) Um, so... (laughs) Uh, but this week we have other stuff to cover, other baseball-wide stuff. Um, before we get to the other stuff, I'm going to address this in like two minutes or less because I don't want it to take up too much of our time because he doesn't deserve it. Um, but the people who were on um, our, you know, our little uh, fundraising call know 
um, and people that have been following know that um, I made a tweet thread about Trevor Bauer recently, um, and uh, it got, like, a fair amount of attention, like, way more than I thought, which in and of itself was kind of good, because, like, at least it means that people were, like, paying attention and, like, sharing it and stuff like that. Basically, it was, like, a compilation of, like, because we were just talking about what a Mm, asshole is he is in slack um and what a bad person he is and how people don't seem to care and so many people don't know and i feel like this is getting renewed attention now that he is you know a cy young contender like so many people who don't know all these terrible things that he's done are like in his corner rooting for him because he's pitching so well this year um and so like i just wanted to tweet a thread out of all these horrible things he's done just so people know because like there are renewed calls for the Mets to sign him in the offseason because the Mets need pitching and yada yada and lots of people want their favorite teams to sign him because he's going to be a free agent so I was like you know what like I think a lot of you don't know that he sucks as a human and so I tweeted all the stuff and then uh the tweets got reported eventually like very public stuff too it wasn't like you made anything up right I didn't make anything up this was all like screen caps of stuff he's tweeted publicly from his public twitter account or Mm -hmm. like Art news articles that are like freely available google is free it's very easy to find these things like if you wanted to recapitulate the twitter thread that i wrote you could easily do it with like 10 minutes on google.com i promise you it's all out there none of this was secret i don't have inside sources i'm not like a fancy pants person that has inside sources this was all publicly <laughs> available information um so i tweeted about like you know how he's harassed women how he's said racist stuff and transphobic stuff and like really not really you know really nasty things and uh yeah the uh the tweets got taken down uh because they were reported i strongly suspect it was him or his agent although i don't have proof of that because i don't know who reported the tweets but i got suspended from twitter like very quickly after the tweets were reported and usually like I know Twitter likes to tell you otherwise, but usually that only happens if someone really important reports your tweets or if like hundreds of people do it at once. Usually they don't deal with things very quickly. They notoriously deal with things very slowly unless someone important brings it to their attention. So I'm pretty convinced that the swiftness with which this occurred means it was either him or his agent that reported the tweets. I was suspended from Twitter um, and I... Um, I, I made an appeal because I got suspended for her abuse and harassment. And I was like, please tell me what was abusive or harassing about these tweets. It was just public posting things that he himself has said. Um, and so I appealed the suspension cause I didn't feel like I did anything wrong. Um, and went days and days without hearing anything. And, you know, if you just delete the offending tweets, you can get your account back. Um, but I was being, trying to be principled (laughs) and standing my ground on it. Um, and so I didn't delete the tweets I appealed. Um, and I was given during, during the whole like suspension, I was given, uh, I was reached out to by someone and I was given a contact at Twitter, um, to reach out to. So I emailed that person, didn't hear anything for five days. Finally, I, today I emailed her again, like, Hey, like, hope you got my email. And they emailed me back just being like more, we had a, like two or three email exchange but more or less it was just like I explained the whole situation and they were like "Mm, can't help you and I was like well okay Twitter's not going to do jack shit about this um so I deleted the tweets I caved I deleted the tweets and I'm back on Twitter now so that's that story and it's just like what frustrates me about it isn't that like I got my Twitter taken away like I don't actually care I didn't even join Twitter until like 2018 so like I don't actually care about like Twitter, a social media account is not important. There are much more important things in life. What makes me upset is that this is what happens when you try to 
call notable people out for crappy behavior is that you get deplatformed and they can continue living their lives people will keep buying their jersey people will keep insisting that their favorite team signed trevor bauer people will keep getting excited about him winning the cy young when he's just this like incredibly shitty human being and no one seems to care and i think you bring up a great point because i got into a twitter argument with somebody i don't know why because i'm a moron but like I was explaining to him, like he got it. He was harassing like a teenager on Twitter, and he's like, "Well, it goes both ways." She could have blocked him. I was like, "You don't understand the power that he has of followers. Is she supposed to block thousands of comments calling her fat, ugly, a whore, bitch? Like that's what he does. His fun. Like it's not just him." It's his Bauer Patch Kids, which I love. Oh my god, yes. Shout out to Corey for coming up with the term Bauer Patch Kids, because I'm going to keep using that for the rest of my life. Yes, I am too. Like, the Bauer Patch Kids, it's just like, the balance of power is different. It's exactly. And, like, that's what he uses. And he uses it to either bully, silence, um, harass, and doesn't care. And other people don't see a problem with that. And that's what's so... That's what grates on me the most, is how do you not see, like, a girl with a couple hundred followers and a grown-ass man with thousands of followers sticking his hordes of people on this girl who just made a comment, because we all do, and then he tweeted at her for 12 straight hours. Yeah, a college student. A college student. A college student. He bullied a college student online because he's a bully. Yep. And it's it's it, like you said Linda, it's about the it's about the platform that he holds and he wields it irresponsibly. He has yes. How many followers does he have? I don't even want to look it up because I don't want to look cuz I don't want to see his face. It's gross. But he has a lot of followers and it's about the the imbalance of power there. It's like there th- these two people, even if there are two people arguing back and forth, there's not an equal responsibility there if one has power over the other one. It's like the same thing of when people used to say, like, you know, when for example, when I was a grad student and people and like a professor was like, you know, using his power inappropriately, and people would be like, "Well, just re- report that professor." Then it's like it's not that simple. He no. held, he holds power over whether I graduate. So, like, how am I supposed to, like, we're not equally responsible here. He holds power over me. So he's the one who's being abusive to me, the student who has no power. So in that instance, it's the star athlete who has the power. And he's the one who's wielding his power irresponsibly. Because she's arguing back, it's not her fault. He has over 350,000 followers. I looked it up. There you go. And I I think what frustrates me the most like isn't even just the people who like who like are ignorant of this behavior because there were a few people who like before the tweets got taken down who were like in my replies like wow I had no idea thanks for bringing this to my attention and like that's fine you know they're Mm -hmm. like ignorance as long as you like as long as you like admit you were wrong and move on and like you didn't know these things great I'm glad I could educate people that was really the point of the tweets not to like you know be like oh Trevor Bauer come after me it wasn't like that I wasn't trying to pick (laughs) fights with him but it's I think what frustrates me the most you never tagged him or anything I didn't I didn't uh, people probably snitch tagged him but those people or he just named searches yeah and he named searches Uh, that's a known fact um but I think what frustrates me the most is that people just write this off as like edgy behavior instead of like 
outright problematic and abusive behavior like because he has a youtube channel and like says things about like and calls baseball out about things like he doesn't there are opinions that he has that are correct opinions like about the game and he calls baseball out about stuff that they deserve to be called out on but just because he does those things doesn't mean he's automatically good and we should ignore all these terrible things about him. People just think he's, like, cool and edgy because he, like, speaks his mind and, like, that, you know, brings, you know, there's certain tones about that that are reminiscent of our current president that people say things about him, too, that are similar. I put Um, this up on Twitter, too. Strowman speaks his mind. Yep. And so, but what's the difference between Bauer speaking his mind and Strowman speaking his mind? I can think of one difference. I can too. <laughs> I can think of one difference. The, the thing about Bauer that like bothers me not the most, but there is a video I saw the the video where he threw the ball into the outfield oh. after having a bad pitching performance. But I just there was a player behind him, and when he turned to throw the ball, that player absolutely like just without hesitation flinched and ducked. Yes, and. So what is he like behind the scenes to his, well, his teammates, teammates hate him. that they have that immediate kind of reaction? I think he's even said he has no friends. <sighs> his teammates don't like him. He And he basically, again, he tries to paint it like, like he's edgy. Like, oh, people don't like me because I don't care what other people think. It's like, oh, well, for someone who doesn't care what other people think, you, sh- you sure name search you on Twitter. You talk about it a so. lot. Uh-huh. Sure, name search on Twitter a lot, sir. If you really didn't care, you wouldn't go after me for my like and my like couple thousand followers compared to your three hundred fifty thousand. Well, like I on. mean, we even saw it again. Like somebody had the audacity to write an article about how Jake faced tougher competition this year, and he had a Twitter meltdown about that. Yeah, he was in yep. Wayne Randazzo's replies about that. Like, yeah, and it's like mm-hmm. you were that, so great. The scheduling you would... comments came up. People who are people who are insecure about themselves do behave this way. I don't know if you've seen the movie, but it dawned on me the other day. Like, have you seen Happy Gilmore? No, I actually I have haven't. No, if any of the listeners have seen Happy Gilmore, he is one hundred percent Shooter McGavin. Like <laughs> he can't stand when the spotlight isn't on him. When somebody who has the audacity to be better than him. Um, and I guarantee you, if somebody else wins the Cy Young, he will show up, take it, and run away. He's gonna like, have a freaking meltdown. If he will. He, he will grab the plaque and run. I'm telling you now, because that's what Shooter McGavin did. Well, I was gonna say, if Jacob Degrom on the outside chance that he wins, will like beat bash his head in if he tries if to. He can't it defend himself. He's like a hundred pounds. It's true. But, um. But, but yeah, I, I don't want to waste any more time on him because he's a low life. But just, that was way longer than two minutes. Yeah, yeah. that was way longer than two <laughs> minutes. He makes me angry. I yeah, can't he's help the worst. It. Um, so yeah, don't like. I don't know. Like Mets, lots of Mets fans listen to this podcast. Like, I mean, you know, like he he pitched well this year, but that doesn't mean you should want him on your team. It's the same thing as like, yeah, like Jose Reyes may have been good at baseball once, but that doesn't mean that we were excited to have him back on our team because like character means something. Um, and I just would rather have Marcus Stroman, who is outspoken and opinionated, but also fun and good. (laughs) I did. And also, I'm just going to put it out there. 
Bauer's success might not be what you think it is. Oh yeah, there's that whole thing too. Oh yeah, the spin race. It was part of the. It was part of the thread that I tweeted, but which is now gone. R.I.P. But like, he basically (laughs) bragged about. He complained a lot about the Astros cheating, and like bragged about how he knew exactly how they were cheating and like doctoring the baseball and all that stuff. And then he was like, "It makes your spin rate go up." Watch, and then all of a sudden he has like massively increased spin rates this year. Yeah, hmm. the defector had a nice little article about how in a month his spin rate like jumped astronomically yeah a little bit of a statistical oddity we'll just say yeah and then somebody in the comments thank you defector comments um said for reference here's jacob Degrom's spin rate and his increased but his increased every year over like a longer period of time not in one month it's like developmental yeah and they said his um went with an increase in velocity. So that kind of went hand in hand and explained why he had the bigger increase, like the increase in spin rate. This, again, there is no explanation outside of outside substances, which he himself proved because he does science. Yeah. Oh, he likes to like, he likes to think he's like the science guy, which is the worst too. As an actual scientist. He's just a jock, everyone, who, like, uses big words and, like, straps electrodes to himself. He's not a scientist. <laughs> anyway. Um, so the other big um, baseball happening, uh, wider baseball happening that's been going on besides the playoffs, which we talked about a little bit, is that um, we we had Jen Ramos on the show uh, a couple weeks back uh, to talk about Tom Brenneman um, and the uh, slur that he said on a hot mic. Um, and so the d- latest development with that is that he has stepped back from announcing Reds games. Um, and with that, he issued another like sort of weird, like non-apology statement apology thing. And he said, uh, I- I'll read part of it, not all of it, but I would like to thank the Reds, Reds fans and the LGBTQ community for the incredible support and grace they have shown my family and me to this great city, my hometown. A sincere thank you. I truly regret what I said. and I'm so very sorry. No one loves this town more than me. Um, and he goes on to say how long he's been in the profession, blah, blah, blah. And he hopes to return someday. And given the opportunity, I'll be a better broadcaster in person. I'm grateful for the forgiveness so many have extended me, especially those in the LGBTQ community who I've met, spoken with, and listened to almost daily over the last five weeks. With their continued guidance, I hope to be a voice for positive change. And so then the Cincinnati Reds also issued another statement that they like respect his decision to step away from the booth and applaud his heartfelt efforts of reconciliation with the LGBTQ community. It's like, what efforts has he actually made? Um, The Brenneman family has been an intrinsic part of Reds history for 50 years. We thank Tom for bringing the excitement of Reds baseball to millions of fans. We appreciate the warm welcome Tom has showed our our fans at Red Fest and Reds Caravan, which is like the basically it's like praising him and being like, oh, he's made such an effort. And it's just like it's all like really gross. (laughs) Actually, this is kind of funny that, you know, the uh, the the organization that uh, uh, Trevor Bauer is a part of is doing all this stuff and like. Trevor Bauer silent on this matter, not to mm-hmm. mention that fact, because it's several of his teammates, on the other hand, were like, we reject this and we stand in solidarity with the LGBTQ community. Did Bauer do that? Absolutely not. No, um, actually, he deleted the tweet. I'm so pissed off that he deleted the tweet because that night, I mean, he didn't know what was going on in the booth. I guarantee it. I accept that because he did like a beer drinking like celebration after he like struck somebody out like that night 
So the next day, while the rest of his teammates are tweeting, this was awful, we stand in solidarity, he tweeted a video of him drinking a beer in his locker the next day. Yep, sounds about right. Um, so, so yeah. good job. It's just like, so like, yeah, like, it's just, and, you know, I, I'm saying this because I have actually read queer writers and queer baseball folks like opinions on this and I'm learning from them and it's seeing it through their eyes and reading their words I'm frustrated on their behalf because it's these statements are garbage and you can tell Mm -hmm. that they're garbage and as always it's always about centering it's always about centering the like your own feelings like it's always about centering Tom Brenneman's own feelings and not actually about the harm he caused he's centering his own feelings like oh i hope i can be a better person i appreciate all the grace and support from the lgbtq community without actually like put doing the work he's centering himself and this is all part of a bigger theme of people who are not members of marginalized communities centering themselves in these conversations and their own feelings and using almost using people in marginalized communities as like props like opportunities for these problematic people to quote like better themselves and like make themselves feel better that's not what it is about it is about the harm you caused and like i don't even think he mentioned the lgtb community um when he first yeah not not when he first apologized i used heavy air quotes yeah so like he didn't apologize he He released a statement that it was a typical pr statement to make himself look better without actually taking any responsibility for what he said. Yep. It's not an apology. And I wouldn't treat it. I wouldn't even say it's a non-apology apology. It's not an apology. Yeah. And it, and of course, like even now it's all about like, I love this city. Everything you fans Ugh. have given me like, sh- go away. Just go, shut up and go away. Just go away. Go away. And didn't and of he course, say he's never used that word before? Yeah. You're full of it. You're yeah, full like, of it. He was the way he said it. It was just so casual. Like, yeah, it was the like, mark of someone who has said it before multiple times. Yes. Yeah, yes. So I don't. It, it like it's a non-apology apology, and it's also a non-apology apology that's full of lies. Yep. And of course, you have um, who else? But uh, but Nob Bitingale. <laughs> I'm going to keep calling him that because it's a good spoonerism. But Nob Bitingale is out here writing redemption pieces cue the redemption piece every single time one of these people without fail every single time one of these people reveals themselves to be exactly who they are knob bitingale or someone else some other shill in the baseball media comes out with these redemption pieces about like what he's learned and the impact and like oh stop growing as a person no one needs no one needs your profile on tom brenneman absolutely no one asked for that nobody asked for that um but the thing that makes the the like only <laughs> redeeming part of all of it is that Tom Brenneman's a meme now. If you go to the <laughs> Knob Bitingale tweet where he tweeted out his article and just read the replies to it. Like <sighs> do yourself a favor if you want to have a nice hearty laugh. Read oh, it's glorious. The it's glorious. Don't have a drink nearby when you do it. No, yes. no, no. Yes. 
Make sure, make sure all liquids are away from you when you do it. <laughs> yes, because <laughs> you will spit them everywhere. It's just so good. Um, basically, every reply is his like <laughs> weird apology interruption call that he was making like during the game. So it's the <laughs> I pride myself and think of myself as a man of faith. Man of as- faith as there's a drive into deep left field by Castellanos and that'll be a home run and so that'll make it a four nothing ball game I don't know if I'll be putting on this headset again whether that be for the Reds or my bosses at Fox which is like what he said on the broadcast while he was like trying to quote apologize but that was also still calling the game and so like everybody's just replying to all tweets involving him with that quote and it's hilarious um (laughs) I even saw this someone like, reply to it with that exact quote all in French, which is awesome, too. Yes, that was awesome. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> and I accidentally responded, too, and I'm still getting likes on it. <laughs> yeah, Linda's, yours was really, Linda, yours was really good because, um, like... <laughs> Because you weren't like your own interruption tweet, which is amazing. <laughs> Linda wrote, is your only job to write puff pieces about assholes and there's a drive to deep left by Castellanos <laughs> and that'll be outrun. It's so good. Oh my god, not stop. And then JT responded to me, this joke's getting really played. It really needs to stop. And there's a deep drive. <laughs> If nothing else, Twitter is good. Like all of Twitter came together to meme Tom Brennan. Yeah, if nothing else, out of this garbage dump of a situation, a new incredible meme is born. Um, It's everywhere. Like you see, like everywhere. Yeah, like it's Dodger fans, it's Mets fans, it's Reds fans. It's it's like all baseball Twitter has come together in like one glorious meme. Yep, it's great. Um. But yeah, the the one last thing that I'll say about this, um, just as someone who's been like reading, you know, reading folks' responses to things, and obviously the, like back in August when the Tom Brenneman situation originally happened, it sort of like sparked a lot of conversation about inclusivity in baseball and like, quote, how far we've come, which OutSports did like an article about like, oh, it shows how far we've come. And a lot of people were like, do we really need to write this? Um <laughs> But then specifically, there was a piece in The Athletic. I will be fully transparent and say I didn't read it. So I I don't want to, like, disparage it without reading it, the actual content of it. Um, But I will say that the reaction to it was pretty negative. Um, It had, like... The, the piece had a lot of interviews with a lot of um, queer people in baseball, but the two writers of the piece were not queer. And so um, a lot of queer writers like Brittany and Sydney and Jen and a whole lot of other folks um, talked about how articles like that are once again sort of surround around this theme of like, you're not part of this marginalized community and you're you're using the marginalized community as an opportunity to better yourself because both of these not queer writers said that the piece like quote made them a better person to write and it's like yeah i get i get where your heart is there and i understand what you mean but when a queer person sees that all they're seeing is you're capitalizing on our pain and writing pieces about our pain and displaying it for clicks and like you know, just let queer people tell their stories. Let queer baseball writers tell their stories. There are queer baseball writers. Let them write about it. Um, 
rather than using, you know, like getting all these interviews from queer people and using them for clicks for yourself. Um, and it, I, I see a lot of those same themes when, like, you know, when Dominic Smith was very emotional about the Black Lives Matter protests and about George Floyd. And I feel like a lot of that, like a lot of the like sharing of that around Twitter was sort of performative in the same way. Like they were just capitalizing on his very public raw emotion and pain for clicks. And it's like, we saw a lot of memifying of the Breonna Taylor situation. She was basically made into like a meme and commodified for clicks and you know, nothing happened to her killers. So it's, it's just really frustrating to watch um this go down and like people aren't held accountable for it and it's just like you know let the people who are in the marginalized communities speak let them write these stories you stay out of it you read them you listen and that's what i've learned that my job is as a cis white straight person is to read queer writers so we will put these tweets in the in our tweets of this episode um, the tweets that I'm referring to about this piece um, and encourage you to read queer writers and their work about um, about queer folks in baseball, because I think it's important uh, for us to elevate their work um, instead of our own. <laughs> yeah. And like I think we've talked about this with Jen. Um, it's never going to change if they're they always feel like they don't have a platform or they feel like they're silenced or they can't or they feel like they can't speak so we're never going to see a real change if that's if we just keep ignoring that yeah exactly um we need more queer um co-hosts on our show i think yes (laughs) guests co-hosts um but yeah, we yeah we definitely strive to do our best to get these voices yeah. on our show. Um, and if you're interested in coming on or know somebody who's interested in coming on, please tweet at us. Please DM us. We would love to have you on the show um, t- for you to talk about this. Um, so yeah. Um, but in the meantime, please absolutely read, um, read these people's work. Um, they work very hard and they're very good at it. So <laughs> um, I would like you to read their work. Um, so yeah, that does it for the very long episode this week we're sorry but we had a lot to talk about <laughs> it's important it'll um, be shorter next week we sorry dang yeah, yeah not, sorry not sorry kind of yeah um but yeah next week will probably be shorter because there's no more Mets really to talk about but we we always say that and then like something, something incredible might happen something might go happens. down you so never who know knows? who knows what will happen it's like jeff wilpon like locks himself in his office and refuses to leave oh my god please Uh, don't joke about not peaceful (laughs) transitions of power right now oh sorry sorry (laughs) oh god what did you shut up man sorry that's my first i'm i don't think any i'm referencing the debate right now i'm seeing something going down on twitter Apparently, oh Joe Biden said to Donald Trump, will you shut up, man? I want to watch this clip now. Oh, no. I, ca- I can't. I can't. Th- I know that I've been missing all of it, and Twitter's been exploding. And I know I saw, because, like, all of us have, like, on Slack, because because Amazing Avenue Slack is extremely active. We don't have all notifications on, but we do have when someone, like, tags us or mentions our names. Like, we have those notifications on. And so all I know is that something flashed across my screen while we were talking about, and Michael said, I'm going to have to explain all of this to Allison when she's done podcasting. Uh-oh. And I know he's watching the debate, so I'm like, Jesus Christ. 
Um, but and also Strowman is waiting, and Strowman needs to be a Matt. That's oh, all I'm gonna say. I love Mark Strowman more than life. Please be a Matt oh. forever. Um, I was going to say we're recording. I was going to say we can talk about David Wright's new book next week, except uh, it's coming out on the 13th. So we're recording on the 13th, presumably. So that can probably hold until the release day. Yes. But I haven't I haven't gotten a copy yet. I need to get a copy, too. But pre-ordered, someday, you well, pre-ordered it yet. I pre-ordered it a month ago. Oh, I didn't pre-order it. I, I didn't pre-order <laughs> But we will eventually absolutely have another book pod to talk about David Wright's book. That is, like, way penciled in. That's penned in, this schedule. Yeah, that's an ink. That's an ink. Um, we yes. will have that. Um, and you guys should absolutely check out, if you haven't already, check out um, the Amazing Avenue Ink Conversation. Chris and Brian did a fabulous interview with David Wright about his book. Highly recommended Hi. listening content. I know, I'm so jealous. Um... But anyway, we will end the show this week, like we always do, with walk-off wins, where each of us talks about what is making us happy this week, baseball-related or otherwise. Kellyanne Healy, what is your walk-off win for this week? Can I cheat and have two? Yes, absolutely. Okay. So my non-baseball-related one is that I got my first grant last week. Yay! Yes! I'm excited about that, especially at a time when libraries are going to be facing huge budget Ugh. cuts. I'm very excited that I got a fairly nice sized grant for for programming. So I am very excited about that. I wrote the grant in a day, which was like another thing that I'd never done um, and got it. So that's my first walk off win. I'm very excited about that to do STEM programming at my library. STEM for you guys that are not in the education sector is science, technology, engineering and math. We have lots of fun ad, um, acronyms in education. Anyway, <laughs> my second walk-off win is the Apato Fundraiser Week. And it was just so much fun. It was a very casual hangout. Um, hung out with a lot of Amazing Avenue users. Made some new friends that I hope come and post on Amazing Avenue. It was just a joy. Just okay, hang out I, 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 and just chill. I, I wish we could have done it in person, but... I know. What? I mentioned it to Vaz. Yeah. Um, where we were... we It was very Gary, Keith, and Ron vibes when we pulled out the baseball cards. Yeah. Oh, my God, yes. <laughs> we're, we're totally Gary, Keith, and Channeling Ron. Channeling Gary, right Keith, now. and Ron energy is, like, all I can hope for in this world, to be honest. I know. I know. Right? Thank you for those baseball cards. Me, I thank myself for my baseball cards. <laughs> <laughs> But, but yeah, no. I wish we could have done it in person because I had so much fun. Not that this wasn't fun, but just to see, you know, all the support that people give the podcast to was was very rewarding. Yes. Hopefully we can go to McKellar again next year. That was Please. so fun. That was fun. Next year we'll have we'll we'll do McKellar again. And, it, and we and got to silly. meet people. Yeah, exactly. We got to I got to throw coasters at people and I <laughs> threw Rich into Kate. <laughs> at that fundraiser last year (laughs) i'm sorry kate um but yeah we had we had a blast with you guys we love doing this stuff um maybe in the off season we'll do another like little something for you guys we'll have another zoom night or something because that was really fun it was fun we should have zoom hangouts just more frequently with matt's fans okay 
Because I was in a mood because Jake sucked and blew his Cy Young chances and the Mets were eliminated from the playoffs and it was a stupid but doubleheader and but you know it was a bad baseball day, but it was a great Mets fan friend day. Yeah. Like my mood was considerably lifted when I joined the Zoom call. Yes. Yes. I had a great time. Um Linda, you have a related walk-off win. So I do. You should I go do. next. I'm excited. Um, um, well, well, afterwards, we had to reach out to the winners. And Allison reached out. And we got a lovely, lovely email from one of our listeners. One of our listeners who won. Um and how he listens to us with his daughters and his daughter is named Shay and I don't know if you're listening now but oh you don't know how how that just touched all of us and how it just yes. made our day and like like I legit cried yeah shout out to Winston your email yeah. made my entire week and as it you guys did. know I was having a pretty crappy week because of like all the Twitter stuff and like I was just feeling really down about humanity because of like you know I was yes like, damn like people suck and like this is what happens when you try to like be a good person in this world but then I got that email and I felt I so know. much better and the picture of the family what a beautiful family too oh my god it just warmed my heart yeah he attached a photo yeah. of his family all in their matching Mets jerseys yes, and talked about how his podcast how this podcast is so important to him and how he listens to it with his daughters and it's just it, it made our entire week Winston thank you so much that was the nicest email I've ever gotten I think Linda yes. was the one who said that we need to frame it I kind of do yes. want to frame it <laughs> I kind of want to frame it still. Like, so I sure. wish we had a, like a, a like a headquarters we could frame it. Future like, Apato headquarters, end. it will be framed. Yes, if we ever have an Apato headquarters, that will that email will be framed when you walk into Apato headquarters. But you know, like, said also if Shay and his daughters are listening, like kick ass girls. Like when you grow up, do whatever you want. You know, just go and kick some ass. And oh wait, maybe I should reframe that. Kick some that. butt. Kick the butt. <laughs> you girl, girl kick some power. Tush. Yeah, kick, kick some, some tushy. Tush. You will yeah. rock it, whatever you do, and you yeah. should and love the Mets with your whole heart, even if they break it. Yes, and because there are rewards at the end of it, even if we complain, it's yeah. fun. And yeah, well, we're a lovely bunch of you know, pet fans are a fun bunch for the most part, and yeah. We're a lovely bunch family. of weirdos. Yeah. Are we are. So, yeah. Go get girl power. Go go kick butt and take over the world. Yeah, please the, do. The two, two daughters. And yes. I, have, I have faith in the next generation if they have parents like him. So, you yep. know, it's awesome. Um, and with a name like Shay, I mean, you can't go wrong. Exactly. Um, <laughs> so, my walk-off win is, I mentioned that I was feeling, like, kind of down on humanity because of the whole, like, being suspended from Twitter thing and, like, oh, this is what happens when you try to call someone out. But in reality, like, the support I got from people after I got suspended was just, like, people reached out to me individually. Like, people asked other people what my email address is or my phone number so that they could text me. Um, and 
reach out to me and see how I was doing. And it just meant so much. And just like hearing people being frustrated on my behalf and being like, this is BS free Allison. was just like, honestly, it was really, really gratifying um, to see like that there really are people out there who like care about this stuff and like how I've formed my own little baseball corner of the internet. That is so wonderful. And just to everyone who like, dm'd me even the people who dm'd me oh, i was suspended and so i didn't i wasn't able to reply to you i'm very sorry i hope i've replied to everyone now but to everyone who dm'd texted emailed i appreciate you so much thank you like you're the reason why i caved and deleted the tweets so i could come back on twitter because without people like you i just would have like stayed off the bird app forever because it's a cursed app and so but like people like you guys, people like our listeners, people who people in the baseball community who support us, like it means a lot. It really means a lot. I have like a tiny platform and like, you know, it's like, like I'm not that big of a deal on Twitter, but it means a lot that there are people who have become really good friends that I've made just because of baseball Twitter. So like, thank you all so much for the support. It means a lot to me. Um, and it made it a lot easier to deal with. Um, Trevor Bauer and his minions. So thank you. His um, Bauer Patch Kids. Bauer Patch Kids. Um, I'm not calling them that just because I like Sour Patch Kids. And I, I do don't too. Like I think it's, it's delicious, it's but it's just so perfect because they are so sour. Yeah. Um, <sighs> but anyway. It's also giving them more attention that they don't need. But it's that's, that's me. But if it also bothers them, it'll be nice. I hope so. Um, so yeah. Um, that does it for the show this week. Um, but you should go to AmazingAvenue.com. We are doing um, our own sort of written post-mortems of the season. We're doing, like, takeaways from each of the major, like, positions. Like, I think uh, Chris McShane published either the outfield or the infield. I think it was the infield. Um, it was infield. Yeah, infield. Yeah. And Lucas wrote up the outfield, which should be coming shortly. But, like, yeah, we're, we're, we're taking each chunk of positions and we're doing, like, a post-mortem of each and what the takeaways are, if you can take away anything from this crazy season. So we have that content for you. All of your various, like, analysis off-season type content is coming. Um, we're going to do – I think I'm going to do sort of a retrospective. We're going to do some retrospective pieces about 2015 – um, since we are five years out from it now um, and things like that. So that's all coming for you guys. Um, you can follow the site um, on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Amazing Avenue. You can follow the show on Twitter at A Pod of Their Own. You can follow Linda and I on Twitter. Linda, where are you on Twitter? At Linda Servich. And I am at Petite PhD, no longer suspended, still there. <laughs> you can follow <laughs> me on Twitter, follow Linda on Twitter, um, and follow the show on Twitter. Um, you should subscribe to the podcast um, and rate and review it. It really helps people find the show. You should subscribe to uh, the whole suite of podcasts. Listen to the Amazing Avenue in Conversation with David Wright. Um, the original intro and outro music to this podcast is by Bunga. Let's go Mets. And don't forget, there is no crying. Okay.